my secret sauce is a lot of talking to younger people, not just coming with your experience in your life. And that's where I think we are missing out uh, big time in, in today's world. Welcome to the Thriving on Overload podcast. I am Ross Dawson, futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by how human minds create value from information and author of the book Thriving on Overload. Every week, I speak to incredible people who share how they use unlimited information to create massive value and keep ahead of accelerating change. If you want to learn more about this valuable topic, go to thrivingonoverload.com, which includes podcast episodes and transcripts, excerpts from the book, articles. You can sign up for our weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to help you improve your habits. And there are also details on the Thriving on Overload interactive course, which guides you through the journey of amplifying your information productivity. That's thrivingonoverload.com. Building on my work on Thriving on Overload, I'm also focusing on the theme of humans plus AI to help massively augment your productivity using artificial intelligence. If you want access to a raft of resources, frameworks, guides, and tutorials, just go to humans plus technology. To find this episode useful, please do take just 10 seconds to hop into iTunes or whatever app you're using to listen to this to give the podcast a rating or a quick review. These are all free resources that would be massively helpful to me to make this project feasible and also help others to make this easier to find. On this episode, we learn from Jens Monsies. Jens is the Chief Executive Officer of InfoMedia, a leading global provider of data and software for the automotive ecosystem used by over 250,000 industry professionals around the world. He was previously CEO of WBP Australia New Zealand and Chief Digital Officer of BMW Group. On this episode, Jens shares insights on automotive decision-making through all aspects of the cycle, starting with goals and finding your North Star, listening and feedback to improve your strategy, openness to challenges and ideas, and many more insightful perspectives. Keep listening to learn from my conversation with Jens. Jens, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Yeah, Ross, good to see you. So InfoMedia is a company that deals with information in automotive, and there's a lot of information and there's a lot of interesting decisions. And I think two, two of the ones which really stand out to me is the, the car buying decision. And it's one of the big decisions in people's lives, and they've got lots of information, and lots of people giving them uh, data, and uh, they've got to make a decision from all that information. And one of the other really interesting rising ones is the connected car, where it's, it looks like we're going to get more and more information inside the car. So I'd love to hear you know, what your insights are on how we can better serve individuals as buying cars or inside cars or in the automotive experience and, and maybe even uh, what uh, as consumers that we can be do to be able to do better and face with the information? Yeah, it's a very good question, Ross. Um, I think we have to understand um, nowadays we are not into uh, one-to-many communication anymore, like we were like 20 years ago in, in mass comms. Everything is now individualized and everything, every communication is data-informed. And that's why uh, InfoMedia is so strong because we know from 1 billion cars on the road, uh, when were they serviced, what parts are in there, um, what are the owners doing, and, and uh, when do they need a new car, when they have to come to service. And now with the connected car, as you mentioned, we would also then know what is wrong with the car, are the brake pads down, do they have a flat tire, what is the battery status, 
you know, and and all of these information uh, we can use to have a meaningful and relevant conversation. Um, not just saying, oh, you know, it's winter time. Come on and and change your uh, to your winter tires. That that's one too many. But we could say, look. Um, your brake pads are down. Um, you need to come in the next two months. Actually, um, we see with your connected car, you're driving every morning to work on this route. Our next dealership is 10 minutes away. Um, we already have the new parts here, so you don't have to wait. Um, and we also see that your lease contract is almost over, so we don't order you an Uber this time. We order you a test uh, drive a test car, our newest, hottest model. And then you can drive to work with that car and in the evening you come back and all your service is done. And this is what I think we can leverage data for. So I'm, I'm a really numbers and data-driven person. And, um, and then the decision process of the car owners, the decision process in the dealerships, uh, what is the next one that I put on triage or on the hoist uh, is my queue in order? Do I have the right technicians and the right resources? And then from an OEM perspective, also from an analytics point of view, how are my dealerships performing? Do they have a high loyalty degree or low one? Do we have customer satisfaction? Do we have a high convenience? Do we have a good customer experience? All together is basically based on collecting processing relevant and that's the point relevant data don't don't do like big data boil the ocean and and you are more confused on a higher level relevant information and then a relevant communication to your customers and that is what infomedia is providing globally to the dealerships and to the oes and so let's think about it from an individual perspective. I have a car. I might be considering buying a new car. The the current the because I have a connected car, the uh, the manufacturer is able to provide me with information that supports me staying with the same manufacturer. But then I can look at advertisements. I can search the web. There's a whole array of different information that is available to me in buying a car and as you suggest in you know what are my when i service how i service and so on so from a consumer perspective what what are how are ways that we can best access the scope of information that gives us uh, allows us to make the best decisions yeah i i think um every every human decision is still based to a very high degree on emotions. That's why we are making sometimes also crazy decisions. Uh, and, and sometimes yes. we are looking for premium cars or for big horsepowers or for a show-off model in a way. So I, I think um, we need to, as consumers, we need to search in ourselves what is important for us and being honest to ourselves. So, you know, I always start every decision process with what are my goals? What do I try to achieve? Do I want to have a show off? Is design important for me? Is quality important for me? Um, is CO2 uh, important for me? Do I want to have an electric vehicle? What is the distance that I'm driving in my commute, but also on the weekend? How many, how many um, people do I want to transport? Are they big? Are they small? Do I go skiing? Do I go surfing? So I, I think um, 
many people uh, in their decision-making process are not clear with their goals. And, and it's actually the start of everything. It's like, what do I really want here? And, and then you can check uh, certain dimensions and you can say, oh, you know, this model is fulfilling 80% of what I want and this other model is fulfilling 90% of, of what I want. And um, what we still observe with, with every human is, is that uh, when, the, when the goals are not clear, what you're really after, then you might go in a dealership and you come out with a, a very emotional <laughs> decision uh, and you have a, a car and then you have fun for two days and then you say, oh my God, what have I done? Because I'm not clear about um, the goals that I actually wanted to achieve. Yeah. And so, you know, as I as wrote in my book, Thriving on Overload, you start with purpose. Yes. You know, what is it that I want to achieve? What is it that I want in my life? And then you can start to look for the information that serves you and so you can assess that yeah. appropriately. Yeah. And we might want, to, might want to come back to that, but I'd like to sort of, you know, one of the other very relevant uh, types of decisions that are made are those by corporates, uh, yourself as a CEO of a, of a large organization. And... We'd like to, just as a high level initially, just think about, well, what is your process for looking across the information, across the uh, the technology worlds, information worlds, data worlds, automotive worlds, uh, you know, competitors and so on across the planet? Uh, so how do you find all the information that's relevant to your thinking and your decision making and pull that together into, you know, your understanding of uh, of the landscape? Yeah, I would I would say there are three dimensions that we look need to look at. So um, I would be a very stupid uh, CEO if I think I know exactly what the strategy should look like for the next five years. So when I normally come into a new organization or into a new business, then I call um, my 10, 20 strongest leaders and I try to listen and I, I try to obviously structure my questions in, in the right way and i would like to have then diversity from you know i hear from americas i hear from asia i hear from product i hear from engineering i hear from hr and from people and culture from finance and and then you you basically get different points of view and if you have a very strong culture and you created that level of trust and people talk freely and they are also not a, afraid of any conflicts and contract, you know, conflicts in a way. Um, I see it like this, you see it like that. I think that's very vital. And then you can debate and you can go deeper with your team and, and uh, have that discussion. And then you construct basically with your team the strategy for the next um, three to five years Important is there that you are bold and visionary enough and, and not just formulate uh, to-dos for the next you know, six, six weeks or so, um, but really what is the transformational visionary goal we, we want to achieve um, and, and formulate this in a, in a very diversified and, and broad team approach. I, I'm a strong believer when you have that North Star, it gives you direction then in a day-to-day -day work, always, 
okay, this is a vision, that is a strategy we have aligned. Is that next step or that next decision aligned with the with the North Star and the overall strategic direction? That's one. The second is, I think it's a lot of discipline. So as a CEO, I see um, one third that I spend my time is with the team. One third of my time is spending with clients and listening to clients. I just had two clients meetings uh, yesterday asking them, how does it go? What do you like about our products? Where we need to improve? What are your challenges that, that you are facing? What opportunities do you see? And then the, the, the third part is then also the investors. So what do they expect? Are we aligned on what the company can deliver in terms of growth, profit, uh, new channels, new uh, geo-regions to conquer? And do you have the funding then available as well? So I think first thing is um, having a, a North Star, a long-term vision. Second thing is being very disciplined. And, you know, I, I plan the year, and maybe that sounds very German, but I really know where I want to be. I know two times in Japan, two times in the U.S., two to three times in Europe. Um, you, you know, you have a plan, and, and then you also flex on that plan. These are all the board meetings that are coming. On this board meeting, I can tackle that step or milestone in our in our strategy and and then you also want to be disciplined in the evenings uh, when when you are not in the office and when you're not with clients and you you read so i still have uh, a lot of um, news uh, letters and and news flashes uh, in my google profile i i look at linkedin i i know what the you know the german newspapers the australian newspapers the american um, um, uh, media is saying about the automotive market. I look at uh, the big car shows. Uh, I read the financials. Um, the financial review is good. The Australian is good. So y you need to you need to be disciplined, and you need to also be targeted in your own information gathering. And uh, as a CEO or decision maker, you you tend obviously to direct in a certain uh, direction but you need to listen you need to say what can i do better what, what what did you see what is working what is not working and and always having that dialogue with your team i think that's that's very important we just uh, implemented here um, a feedback culture in info media and you get so much back from your team knowing what you have to work on and it's a constant it's a constant learning process even as a 53-year-old CEO, you cannot say, oh, now I know it all and now I do like I always did. We should not fall in this trap. We should always challenge ourselves and say, really? Is that really still the right way of dealing with these kind of things or do we, I have to change myself again? And so, example, we, we are now uh, doing a lot of tests on AI, on chat GBT, how we can do our, our coding and uh, uh, our internal information gathering more efficient and more effective and it's a new challenge you know <laughs> i'm learning a lot again keeps life interesting yeah and um 
um, I, I don't know if everything is good or bad, but it's for sure a fascinating new way of, of working and, and another dimension, I think, uh, that especially AI for the next five years will disrupt and, and uh, improve several of our business models in, in the macroeconomic environment. Yeah. You are listening to the Thriving on Overload podcast. If you truly want to increase your information productivity, then check out the Thriving on Overload interactive course. It is designed to significantly enhance your information practices and habits, guiding you through creating your own personal information plan so you can excel in a world of overload. Go to thrivingonoverload.com slash course to find out more. Now back to the show. One of the interesting things there was you laid out some of your information sources and the fact you block out the time to be able to make sure that you're keeping across that, obviously fundamental. You talked about the questions, so asking the questions of your team, of your clients, being able to surface issues, and then from all of those, seeing if, you, if everyone agrees, then you've probably heading the right direction, but where there is difference of opinion that you have an issue to debate. And so you can then dig into that and see, well, where's, you know, where's the the evidence lie or what what's a foundation for moving forward. But I think one of the things often is missing from these discussions is, is then, okay, they have the strategy, but in between all of those surfing those ideas and the strategy is uh, a mental model or a framework or a way of describing saying this is the landscape or these are our assumptions or this is where the way that we see the the well fitting and this is the way that we can agree that we understand the same way so is there any way either in your own mind or with your team that you are i suppose laying out the 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 landscape on which the strategy is built yeah so um, for example, we we are having now every three months a discussion on our product roadmaps. And the vital thing is now, it's not just the product managers talking about their product roadmaps. It's the three regions that actually are in daily client contact giving feedback to these uh, roadmaps and giving market insights, observations, and again, data to, you know, there is a big opportunity or um, this is a nice idea, but uh, you can never commercialize it or this cost you 10 million of R&D funding to, to, to get it over the line. So uh, I think you, you need to, in a leadership, in a vital leadership way, you need to um, put these points of conjunction and consolidation into into the year and into the team otherwise you have like different silos different camps that are not understanding each other or not working together effective and efficiently and the other thing is you also as a leader you have to you have to allow yourself to sometimes being wrong you know we we, we are putting out a bold vision and then we are working on it and then Maybe we we see in reality this is working and this is not. So we have to also flex. We need to constantly reflect. Is that still the right thing? So are there are there any practices you have for sensitizing yourself to those signals or saying that this, for example, would be an indicator that we we might need to change things? Is there any specific practices to help you? Uh, I don't you know surface and be more aware of the the things that uh, suggest a change. Of course, might be. Uh, useful yeah there's an internal one so I, I, I 
I show that I'm very confident and I, you know, lead the team, but I constantly reflecting every evening, every, you know, every ride to work or when I have some time, I'm reflecting. Really, Jens, is that still the right thing? What are your assumptions based on? Are there any new data points that we have to look at and, and flex on the strategy? Um, and there's also then uh, an EQ uh, element of emotional factors that are coming into the consideration. It's not only all rational, um, and, and especially our own emotions are sometimes playing games with us. And, and, and so we, we, we should always coming back to reflecting. And I have very good friends. I have a very strong board where I can, you know, have a walk, um, you know, here at, at Freshwater or Manly. Um, and, and look, I have this, this decision to make or this challenge or this problem or this opportunity. My assumptions are A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And, and then tell me where I'm wrong, asking really where I'm wrong and being challenged. That gives me a totally different point of view. I do this a lot with my partner, with my wife. As well, she she is um, giving me a different point of view, and it's helpful. As as long as you take it in, and you're not immediately deflecting and uh, just defending your idea, and that is where leaders never should get into an arrogance or uh, into a routine. You always have to stay curious. What do you think? What do you suggest? What what is your point of view? I think that these are the questions to ask, and, and then you also have to, yeah, it's discipline, you have to challenge yourself, learning something new, learning a different point of view, and hopefully then <laughs> you're open enough and, and you stay open for a long time, um, uh, even when yeah, you're no, 70 absolutely. or 80, yeah? uh, you still can learn, and uh, this is, I think, uh, yeah, one of my philosophies or principle, a lifelong learning putting yourself in different situations and then you see how it goes. <laughs> no, that's, that's fabulous. And I think one, one of the, one of the things I see not nearly enough of is, st is stating assumptions. Yeah. Uh, sim simply that practice of saying, all right, well, this is what I think. And this is the assumptions that underlie that. And that simple practice of simply being able to say this, all right, I, the, what underlies this is this assumption and this assumption and this assumption. And that's when you can then go to somebody. And because you're stating them as not, you know, they are assumptions as opposed to saying, you know, this is set in stone and this is what underlies it. That gives you then the flexibility to listen, to bounce it off and to, to develop it. So I think that that's fantastic and something which is, I don't see as much of in, uh, in major decision-making as there should be. And it's hard because as older you get, as more experience you, you have. And, and uh, you learned over your life, over your career, these, um, these decisions or this behavior w was helping me in the past. But it's not always a given that this behavior and this pattern that you apply will help you for the future. And I think that is a big learning that you always have to reflect and, and flex on the new situations. And uh, yeah, that's that's what uh, sometimes I also feel in some of the big leaders of politics, of, of companies, um, that they had like 30, sometimes 40 years to get to the top of an organization. And they 
they came there by applying certain methods that were right at the time. But who is telling us now for the future that these are the right the right decision-making processes still? So I would say that our Generation X um, is was very much focused on commercial outcomes, on wells and on company growth, and, and we did amazing, but um, we we probably didn't engage enough into, you know, environment protection, um, distribution of wells also to poorer countries, um, mitigating conflicts. We, we are now having huge situations in Europe uh, with the war. We have uh, huge inflation because we were living over the edge. That means we were consuming more than actually we were producing and and we need to also reflect on these kind of things um did we always have the right focus and the right purpose in in our leadership roles and i think there we we definitely need to get better and uh, my my secret source is a lot uh, of talking to younger people in the organization you know, to my kids, to the friends of my kids, what do you think? What do you see? And they give you a totally different point of view of many things. And if you're open enough to listen to them and not just coming with your experience in your life, then then you can still flex and and take different points of view than you would have in the past. And that's where I think we are missing out uh, big time in, in today's world. Yes, and you know, it's partly the, the nature of the big decisions that are made today are made by groups, essentially, small groups of not so young people. <laughs> and it's you know, and often the, the decision making processes sound good, but the the reality is it's just a conversation out of which a decision comes. Yeah. And so bringing in as much diversity you can bring into that, whatever that method is, is going to obviously lead to better outcomes yeah i think one 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 thing is very important here um it is very hard so you are in a certain peer group and and your peer group has normally a very similar opinion and 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 patterns of thinking like you have and to break out of these peer groups and to you know to travel to have a different point of view to to meet other people that you normally don't meet um and or um the the algorithms that are currently feeding you with always the same information because you clicked on something and we know that the whole uh, media business is is a business it is not just information that are neutral and unbiased they're very biased because with every click with every eyeball i get more revenue and so um often i also you know put the cookies off and and uh, force myself into the other camp. So, you know, what are all these people thinking that are electing Trump, right? What, what are they thinking? Can, can I try to understand their point of view? And, and there might be some, some good things in that, that we would never discover if we would not go into the other camp. Um, and that is, you know, that should should normally happen also with a Ukraine or, or Russian. So it's it's really interesting how sometimes media is very one-sided and, and we fall into the trap of, of listening long enough to the same stories and then we believe in it and we are building 
certain patterns uh, and it's not always reality so if you force yourself at the moment to to watch and don't say that's right uh, but if you look uh, watch some some russian news and you then you go into some fox news and then you go into some german news and then you go into some australian news then you then you hear totally different realities but then you are more informed and you can form your own point of view and just not following uh, some algorithms or some patterns of your peer group and i think that's that's very important as well you know step out of your your seat and uh, in my case and in full media talk to a technician in a dealership what are they struggling with what 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 are they happy with what not talk to a car owner that has to drive his car into service uh, normally a very painful exercise and and you can learn out of it and and you can make that experience much better so that's i think what what real leadership is about absolutely i, I describe it as uh having a information portfolio so the same way as a financial portfolio you need uh diversification yes you know if you're in a single asset or a single place then you you could get in uh, big trouble whereas if you have as broad uncorrelated uh assets or information coming in that's when you can make sense of it and that's where you can have the richest perspectives and you know you do have to make the assessment and judgment and you know make up your own mind but you can't do that unless you have sufficient diversity of input yeah and ross that brings us to the to the very first point of our discussion is what are my goals uh, and and you can even weight them so normally when when there are big strategic decisions i write down a list of goals and then i say you know this is most important let's give it a 40 percent. this is a bit less important but still important let's give it a 20 percent. and then you see what options you have and you can overlay the options with your goals and you can say this is a 70 percent fit or this is an 80 percent fit or this is just a 20 percent fit and 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 some of them are hygiene so you need to hit them and others are um other dimensions of goals are maybe nice to have but not necessary necessary so i think that that's where it all starts by having a good goal and decision grid of what we really want to achieve here and, and then you are much more firm in your decision making that's what i call the north star that, that gives you the vision and and also the broader view where you are striving for and and what your purpose is absolutely are there any books or people or references which uh, you found inform you know have informed your ways of thinking around this or or uh, aligned with uh, the way you think about these issues yeah like i said i'm <clears throat> i'm using many news feeds from from different parts of the world from different media and and from from different stakeholders um that's that's one point um but in terms of the process the way you the way you think yeah, about it the way yeah. you you act as a leader yeah. and then i i like very much uh the the three books of harari where he's talking about the evolution of mankind and why everybody has a, a green garden and and you know there, there's so much deeper thinking into our emotional patterns and they make you aware of how you take decisions and i think um the, these books um you know a 
at, at a certain point they, they are repetitive as everything but to get into it and and reflect on yourself um it is really good then there's a, another book search in yourself um which which i like uh, because that's a curiosity of always reflecting what are your deeper beliefs why you are thinking like this or like that and why you always come to this conclusion and not going the other way um i i think it's about consciousness of of how you're doing all these um unconscious decisions as well and how you interact with humans are you are you aware of what you're radiating uh, and, and how you communicate and how does it land into the other i think that this is very important and then there are some german books so i don't i don't tell you the the <laughs> titles because it it would not matter but there's also in our language there there can be a definitely or it can be very vague and and i'm more like on the data and definite side of things so for example in a in a client discussion you can say ah uh, i believe um there's not much more that we can do on price that's very very open <laughs> and uh, if you have a good uh, procurement manager you would immediately dig into it or you say this is all i can do on price yeah so it, it it's it's a, yeah. it sounds like the same message but it's totally different and uh, our language and our communication um needs often to be more conscious and and more prepared of what, what you really want to say and what you really want to achieve so one of our secrets here is we always write the minutes first before we go in a meeting and we the question i always ask my team when we go into something is what is victory here what do we really want to achieve because it sharpens your mind and it gives you focus and and it's driving better outcomes if if you are clear on what you want to achieve and what your goals are and if you write it down it's even stronger and then you know maybe the the discussion then with the client is totally different then you you have to adjust your your minutes that you want to send out but you send them out before in your mind and you draft them before in your mind because then it's guiding your thinking and it's guiding the the goals that you want to make and and i think that's that's very important as well again it costs a lot of discipline um but it it works very well if you are knowing what what you are striving for and when you have a clear focus Absolutely. and purpose yeah. so the the book you mentioned was uh search inside yourself by charlie meng ten yeah and uh yuval noah harari's uh three books starting with sapiens yeah. just for the listeners who, who might not have been aware of this so that's fantastic. Thank you so much for your uh, insights, Jens. I, I think there's so much of what you do in that openness, which uh, to ideas and perspectives and insights, which, uh, you know, we all need to be learning in a very rapidly moving world. So thank you for your time and your insights. Yeah, Ross, thanks a lot. And and yeah, let's stay curious. That's, uh, that's my mind driver. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want more resources to help you thrive in a world of exponential information, go to thrivingonoverload.com. 
where you can find all podcast episodes, transcripts, show notes, excerpts from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, and a trove of other useful content and resources, including a weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to keep across it all. If you like this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This is Ross Dawson. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.